All right, Alexander, let's talk about the BRICS Summit. It is finally starting after a lot of uh, discussion, debate, the ICC arrest warrant, whether to move it to China, whether Putin was going to show up in person or via video. And then Lavrov said that, uh, well, the Russian government said that Lavrov would, would be the person representing Russia in, in South Africa. And uh, Putin would appear via video. Anyway, uh, it's, it's finally here. There's talk about currency, a new currency being launched, um, new members joining BRICS. I think Morocco was the latest country that said they're interested in joining BRICS. Anyway, uh, what are your thoughts on the BRICS summit? What should we be focused on? What do you think uh, is going to come out of this summit? I think the, the big event is going to be that, well, there's going to be two big issues. The first is this setting up of a financial system as an alternative to the West. And I think it's now clear they're not going to announce uh, when this summit begins next week, you know, a new BRICS currency. I mean, the, the framework for that, the structure for that has not yet been created. But I think they will announce, or at least they will take steps towards moves to creating, to creating the structures for that. And I think we will be hearing and seeing announcements about this. The second thing that's going to happen and it is whether there's going to be BRICS expansion. Now, the South Africans are inviting 60 countries. 60 countries are coming to this meeting. Apparently, even more want to attend. This is turning into an enormous summit meeting. And um, there is now real dis debate, real discussion about whether or not to move ahead with um, expansion or not. India seemed at one point to be saying, look, this is going forward too fast. Let's slow a little. China backs expansion. Brazil backs expansion after some thought, so does Russia. So India, it seems, has decided to go along. The key country to look at, the two, actually the two key countries to look at, the two most important countries are Saudi Arabia and Iran. Now, if Saudi Arabia joins, we can be quite sure that all of these latest moves that we've been hearing, the negotiations between the US and uh, um, Saudi Arabia, which we discussed, we, we've discussed in another video, the idea, you know, that you come back to the West's fold, that all that has failed. If that's, if South Africa joins, sorry, if, if Saudi Arabia joins, then we can say definitely that Saudis, they've decided that the way forward for them is BRICS. And remember, they're the biggest, well, they're one of the big oil exporters. They play a key role in the oil market. If they involve themselves in the discussion to set up this BRICS financial system and decide to become part of that, then two of the big oil exporters, Saudi Arabia and Russia, will be involved. That will start to look like the end of the petrodollar. That will be a big blow to uh, the position of the dollar as a reserve currency. So we need to see Saudi Arabia, its decisions, whether it gets an invitation, whether it accepts that invitation, what steps towards it joining BRICS. Um, are Saudi Arabia joining BRICS 
are taken at, at this summit meeting. All of that is going to be key. And the other one, as I said, is Iran. Now, my own view is that it would be all but inconceivable that BRICS would invite Saudi Arabia and not Iran. I think they would want to maintain a balance between these two countries. Iran is another big oil producer. The Iran has obviously experienced sanctions, uh, Western sanctions. It at one time experienced UN sanctions. The UN sanctions is no longer an issue because um, as part of the JCPOA that Obama negotiated uh, when he was president, most of the, those UN sanctions were lifted. The US sanctions are still there, but it looks as if all of that is in the past. It's becoming historic. Russia is now investing heavily in the Iranian economy. So, of course, is China. Ebrahim Raisi, the Iranian president, had a telephone, telephone conversation with Putin. Undoubtedly, that would have looked forward towards the BRICS summit. Putin himself is not going to be there. The word is that he's going to be represented by Lavrov. But I wonder also whether Mishustin, the prime minister, might also be going. We'll see. But one way or the other, the, the, the decisions are being made and all of the things are slotting into place. OK, so what you really described is one issue in a way. I mean, you, you said two issues, but it sounds to me like expansion and the new currency are are interconnected. I yes. Mean, it's, it's about the petrodollar, yes. it's about Saudi Arabia, yeah. Iran, the new currency. Yeah. I imagine this new currency is, is going to be more for for trade, the trading Absolutely. of resources and Absolutely. commodities rather than, Absolutely. I mean, it's not going to be an actual currency that me and you are going to for example. Well, absolutely. Like this. Uh, this is absolutely correct. And can I just stress again that it's not going to be a single currency. We're not talking about the creation of a single currency block. Um, O'Neill, the economist who first coined the expression BRICS, has actually written, uh, given an interview to the Financial Times in which he said that the BRICS idea of creating a single currency was a crazy one. People have read that article. I think it's important to stress that he's not what he's being talked about. I don't know where O'Neill got that idea from. It is a pure trading mechanism. That is what is being uh, set up here. It is what um, was uh, discussed back in 1944 at the Bretton Woods Conference. J.M. Keynes wanted unit of account that would serve to facilitate trade between <clears throat> countries and the BRICS have taken up that idea and are out now running with it and that's what they're working towards setting up at this conference um, in Johannesburg which will start on the 22nd of August. Now you mentioned Morocco. Now the fact that Morocco wants to join BRICS is really very interesting because of course Morocco has historically been a stalwart ally of the US. <laughs> There's even uh, reports, for example, that it supplied weapons to Ukraine. And this is an interesting story because, in fact, what happened was that Morocco did at one time buy some tanks, it seems, from the Russians, T-72 tanks. It sent them to the Czech Republic for repair. And the Czechs, under US pressure, 
instead of returning them to Morocco, sent them on to Ukraine. And the Moroccans were absolutely furious about this. They complained about it to the Czechs. And I'm not saying that this is the reason why Morocco is uh, now thinking of joining the BRICS, but it gives you some idea of the way the ground is shifting and perhaps some of the attitudes that have brought that about. Okay, now, one of the, the most uh, recognized disputes in BRICS comes, comes from uh, China and India with the border uh, dispute between China and India. There is uh, news that this may also get resolved yes. either at this summit or at least the uh, the foundation will be will be in place to resolve it to resolve this border dispute after the summit what about china and india i think that it will be resolved but probably not at this summit <laughs> i think that's the first thing to say i think that the mutual interest on both sides to resolve this dispute is very strong and the question is how do they get there how do they reach the point of sitting down and actually constructively negotiating a resolution to this. Now, the thing to say is this. In India itself, there is a lot of emotion over this issue. It goes all the way back to 1962, when the dispute basically exploded into a, into a, into a war, a war in which China comprehensively defeated India. And the, India has never really um, reconciled itself to that defeat. And the Indian government will be looking to Beijing for some concessions. Now, as far as the Chinese are concerned, at various times, they have signaled that they are prepared to make certain concessions. I, you know, I don't want to oversimplify what is an incredibly complicated issue. But I think that if the two sides get together, sit down and talk, very much like the way in which the Chinese-Russian uh, territorial dispute was resolved, with the Russians actually making concessions, which you would struggle to find on a map. I mean, a couple of islands in, an, in the Usuri River were transferred by Russia to China. <laughs> I mean, you know, uninhabited islands. But, you know, things of that kind happened and there, were, there was a resolution. So it seems to me the same would be the case um, here. The land transfers would need to be bigger. But again, we are talking about um, uninhabited territory in the Himalayas. The major concern for China, I think, is not retaining control of this territory. It is securing its border with India and ensuring that whatever line the border follows is a defendable one. So I think there will be negotiations, and I think that it will eventually be resolved. But this is a very complex issue. As I said, the strong emotions about it, especially in India, it's going to take time, but perhaps the framework for negotiations can be agreed at the summit. Now, if that does happen, if we do have a framework for negotiations, if the negotiations then move forward and if we see a reconciliation and a rapprochement between India and China, then, of course, that is a massive game changer. In the 1950s, when China and India were, to put it mildly, 
far less wealthy and powerful countries than they are today. They were actually friends. And even then, because of their, uh, their size, that made a, had a big effect on the international system. The border dispute ended that, and for a time they became outright enemies, and since then they've been these very uneasy partners in the BRICS. If India and China can resolve this issue once and for all, then they can move forward, they can become partners, perhaps even friends again, though, as I said, there are other issues in the relationship. And that would make a massive change in international relations. Now, I know a lot of people say this will never happen. It's only a couple of years since we began the Durant <laughs> that people in the West have finally begun to understand that the Russian-Chinese rapprochement was for real. I mean, I'm sure you remember all those people who were saying this isn't really happening. The two countries hate each other. They're actually frenemies. They're not real friends. This is purely a friendship of convenience. It's only in the last year or so that the penny has finally dropped and people understand that China and Russia are friends. We're going to hear exactly the same thing said about any reconciliation between China and India. It's not possible. It's not happening. There's too much mistrust. Hostility is too strong. And then, of course, one day they will wake up and they'll find it's happened. Well, Iran, Saudi Arabia. Iran, Saudi Arabia is the same. Who would thought? Yeah, yeah. exactly. Well, yeah. That, so, that's so an even good, the, better example, yeah. Yeah. Is, is this the most important BRICS summit that, that you can remember? I mean, and, yes. and, and, what, and what is the United States saying? What's the Biden White House saying? As, as What are they thinking as they're looking on at what's about to happen? Right. It is the most important BRICS summit because this is the, this is the uh, point where BRICS evolves between, from a, basically a club, you know, a place where, uh, or rather a venue where the leaders of certain countries sort of meet and talk about things and discuss the state of the world with each other. Uh, uh, anyway, it, it leaves that behind and crystallises into a proper international organisation. And I, uh, one that's I, I, I know the Chinese and the Russians hate this word, but I will use it for convenience. An organization which starts to acquire something of the quality of a block. There's already people who are saying that BRICS is becoming the alternative pole to the G7. So this is what I think we'll see in Johannesburg. Now, you know, the Americans have tried, the West has tried to put spokes in the wheel. The, I think the ICC warrant was to a great extent about that, keeping one of the key BRICS leaders away from Johannesburg, uh, trying to slow the process down. We've seen this big attempt by the US to win over the Saudis, to get the Saudis back on side. All of these offers, we've discussed this in another programme, offers of ultimately nuclear weapons, because that's how I read what I read the Washington uh, sorry, the Wall Street Journal article to mean. So they're trying to do all of these things. But I'm going to say something about the Biden administration. 
I think ultimately they are still very much in denial about this process. Just as the US was so long in denial about the Chinese-Russian rapprochement, just as it never computed the possibility that Saudi Arabia and Iran might reconcile. So they can't quite bring themselves to accept that all of these meetings, all that's going on in BRICS is for real. And, you know, whenever a problem within BRICS arises, they'll say, well, you see, that just proves this isn't a this isn't really happening. It's all still just a talking shop. We can just go on exactly as we are. So that that I think is the dominant feeling within the administration. And I think it's the view the president takes. I think the president, Joe Biden, lives very much still in the world of the past. He probably doesn't even know that he is in the present. So, I mean, uh, the point is he doesn't understand the extent to which the world is change, has changed from the world that he used to know in the 80s, when he first ran for president, by the way, uh, or, or even more the 90s. And I think he just doesn't ultimately take any of this seriously. Yeah, well, you know, I, I don't think it's a stretch to say that this is this change of bricks from being a, a venue, an event to turning into, let's say, a block is Biden's fault. I mean, this is the Biden White House's fault, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, yeah. the Ukraine conflict, uh, if Biden didn't didn't uh, try to get regime change in Russia, if uh, the U.S. and the EU didn't place the sanctions on Russia, all of these things that we've talked about over the past year, year and a half, I think you can make a strong argument to say that, uh, you know, BRICS would not be evolving into this. Well, absolutely. And this is completely correct. And I mean, it's even affected how the Indians think about this. And of course, the Indians have been using the U.S., I think this is becoming increasingly clear uh, in order to try and gain leverage over the Chinese. I mean, you know, which is, by the way, fine. That is what countries do. You you hedge. You've got a difficult relationship with China. You improve your relationship with the US and then you use your improved relationship with the US in order to try and improve your relationship with China. It's classic diplomacy. But what the Indians have found, increasingly, is that you can't work with the US simply in that way, that you get an unending stream of demands. So the US wants to shape Indian commercial policy, whom India buys its oil from, whom India buys its weapons from. It wants India to become ever more heavily involved in the Quad. It wants India to support AUKUS, this alliance system that the US is trying to create in the Pacific. It, it, it makes demands of India about how India should uh, administer the G20 meeting in Delhi. It's trying to get India to agree to a statement of the G20, which will criticise Russia over Ukraine, even though the Indians have said that under no circumstances will they do that. And of course, back at the time, the G7 summit, which Modi attended, they forced Modi, or at least they put pressure on Modi and got him to agree to a meeting with Zelensky, which went incredibly badly, in which the Indians came away furious 
And by the way, the G7 came away furious as well. So, I mean, you know, the Indians have gradually found you can't really work with the US and certainly not with this administration in a balanced way. Uh, with them, it's all or nothing. You're either fully with us or you're against us. And for a country like India, that's unacceptable. All right. Uh, anything else that uh, you'd like to add? Yeah, I, I, I just... Or maybe member states of, of BRICS? Yes. I mean, this is... I think the, the fact that there's this huge flood of countries wanting now to join the BRICS uh, is proof <laughs> that BRICS has now arrived. I mean, this is no longer a club. People, Countries around the world don't perceive it as a club any longer. And the point is that especially since the Biden administration has um, assumed office, the pressure on countries from the Biden administration to, to follow the Washington line has become unbearable. We see this in West Africa at the moment when the US is pulling it with France, are pulling every string and lever to try to get ECOWAS to intervene in Niger, for example. And... What's happening is that even countries friendly to the United States or formerly friendly to the United States, like Morocco, are saying, enough, we can't take this anymore. And that is why they're joining BRICS or wanting to join BRICS. So the, what you said about the US, the administration, actually cementing this, pro this process, well, you can see that. It's visible. It's there. Contrast that with all those bizarre summits of democracy, which Biden sort of called together as a kind of alternative UN. Well, a couple of countries showed up. They didn't take much interest. Apparently fewer and fewer are interested in doing so. I mean, that has none of the enthusiasm and the energy behind it that BRICS does. Yeah, I agree. The the energy, the momentum is definitely with bricks. Bricks, yeah. No doubt about it. Yeah. All right. We will leave it there. The Duran.locals.com. We are on Rumble, Odyssey, BitChute, Telegram, and Rockfin. And go to the Duran shop, 10% off. Use the code. Good day. Take care.